yesterday I was actually speaking to a chief executive um, and um, he was very curiously asking me this question that uh, what jobs of the future are going to remain and um, out of the blue I had to answer this question so I said uh, only I, I can think of three jobs which will remain for the future everything else will get disrupted. Chief executives, I was talking to a chief executive, so I just said chief executive. There will always be a CEO. Lawyers and psychiatrists. And all of the jobs are going to be disrupted. Uh, that's the time we're living in. You know, the, let me tee up the first question to you. Um, the more I think about it, digitally native firms you spoke about, the new ones, they have this uh, unique advantage of not having a legacy not to actually deal with a quarterly you know, financial target. In fact, Uber in its um, listing actually said for the foreseeable future they're not going to make money. They will be rewarded if you don't make money. You know, the valuations keep shooting up based on foreseeable, you know, foreseeable revenue streams. Uh, and the chief executive I was talking to yesterday said, I have a very unfair start. You know, I have a legacy to deal with. I have workforce to deal with. I still have to disrupt my business. Sure. I have to deal with quarterly results. And this dichotomy, there isn't a balance of how to deal with this. Uh, what is your advice to chief executives who kind of now look at this as a burden? Uh, sometimes it does look like you can just let it go and start fresh. And that might be a much better opportunity to work with. Well, so a few thoughts. First of all, I think, and don't quote me on the exact numbers, I think Amazon, it took them about 10 years to break even net, right? So right. they lost a billion dollars or something in those first few years, and then they earned a little bit of money. But over 10 years, it took them to, to, um, to break even. Uber lost $5 billion last quarter. And, and I, I don't know if I would have said this two years ago, and you may have seen WeWork today announce that they're, they're expected to lose over a billion dollars this quarter. I think the question might be, do everything I just talked about, innovate, act, be digital, but focus on the business problems because you have a balance sheet. <laughs> and I don't know that some of those companies are really going to make it. I don't think you can lose 20, I mean, maybe you, I guess you can, but you know, we're, I'm not sure there's a real appetite to do that again. Um, I think we'll see. So, but in the short <clears throat> run, they are disrupting the larger traditional enterprises. I, I always tell CEOs, what's the business problem? You know, you, some of the noise around technology and the rest of it, they're kind of a ball in the dirt. You don't have to swing at it. What is the business problem? I don't get my products fast enough to market. I don't have the best marketing data and analytics. I don't have the best marketing insights. Don't, they're beating me with better products to the market. Well, now that's a problem. Let's solve that problem. Let's throw money at that problem. Focus on the problem. Focus on the problem. And do, you, do I need cybersecurity? Well, yeah, of course you need cybersecurity. I get all that. But be careful not to be too distracted with all the balls that are being thrown your way. What are the business problems? The business problems get solved and your customers and your customer experience stay strong. You're going to win. People predicted Walmart was going to go out of business because of Amazon. Now, maybe they will. I have no idea. The futurist is coming. <laughs> But they're turning but, around. They're doing quite a few Walmart smart things. Walmart is an amazing company. It yeah. is maybe one of the best managed companies on planet Earth. People don't give them credit for what they do on a daily basis with that organization. Yeah. And they just reported amazing earnings. So they figured out how to be digital natives, you know, digital immigrants, and gotten to the point where they're doing same-day delivery. They're doing grocery. They're, they're really on it. And I, and I would say take a, take a few lessons out of that playbook around what they've done well.
Absolutely. I think the one other uh, trait of uh, digitally native firms is the kind of sense the gaps and they figure out a that's way right. to bridge the gaps that's and true. that is how they that's make true. money. That's, that's how they create the business model. That's right. So one other way to, um, one other advice I would actually tell as chief executives is figure out where the gaps are and you should be able to sense them and fix them. Otherwise exactly somebody right. else is actually making a business model around exactly it. Right. Experience gaps is what uh, digitally native firms actually build their right. operating models right. on. No, I totally agree with that, and I think I think making micro investments in acquisitions to fill those gaps can also be an accelerator to making sure it gets closed and you've checked the competitive landscape. Right. You know, um, Todd, you know, I want to pick your brains on uh, my second question, which is about with technology being so strategic, uh, do you think enterprises should now change their insourcing outsourcing mix uh, because technology is core to most businesses now? In fact. Uh, everybody wants to be a tech company now. Every every right. industry, every firm wants to be a tech company. Does that change the insourcing, outsourcing mix of uh, tech? Uh, it, it certainly does, but again, I'll go back to what problem are we, are we, are we solving? Are we solving for we're not getting market to product to fast enough and we're not getting, we're not filling those competitive, those slivers in the market that startups are able to attack on a digital basis quicker, right. faster? Can we be quicker and faster? So I think having the capability you know, what I learn from clients all the time is we aren't real, we're stuck in a little bit of an old practice around how we interface with our customers, and that is where the gold is. Well, they don't have the data, they don't have the analytics, they don't have the marketing analytics, so maybe they need to both insource capability to get them to get into the, the, the front end of that business, backstopped, supported by providers, IT capability that maybe, and as I mentioned in my comments, accelerate how you can change in, in, in effect what it is you're looking to accomplish. That, that I would say, is being looked at more than ever. Um, you know, we, we do research all the time on, on, on providers and how they're working in, in the industry. And for the first time a couple of years ago, um, we reached a threshold where their most large enterprises have five or more providers. We, we look at over a thousand different technology providers. That's we track over a thousand of them in detail. And it's amazing to me that so many enterprises have never heard of some of these companies, but those are the companies that can help you backstop your capability and insource, the, have this talent insourced, supported externally with either outsourced or supporting capability. And maybe, you, maybe that's something you don't need over time, or maybe that's something you want to invest in going forward. Yeah, that's a good view. Uh, in fact, one other thing which kind of always fascinates me about digitally native firms is hyper-productivity you know, they kind of bring value in the confluence of um, open source software, um, business DevOps, rapid sprints, quicker deployments, right. embrace of AI and automation. Um, and in fact, you know, the hub in Hartford, in our view, is going to manifest a, a confluence of all these forces yeah. for our clients. And that's one of the reasons why we think we have a dichotomy. We have uh, deep offshoring on one side, but we also have distributed talent and distributed sure. development. So these hubs are going to be co-innovation engines. So my next question to you is, um, um, how do you build this innovation infrastructure, which is what you know, kind of uh, differentiates digitally native companies? Um, and um, how do you actually embrace AI and automation in a very fragmented, distributed provider landscape? Uh, yeah, no, it's a great question. I think leveraging these hubs is actually a very important piece of that puzzle. You can now bring clients here 
as workshops, as, as two-day innovation conversations around how can you solve this problem? We, here's our issue. We even start with what are your issues? Where, where, what are the business challenges that you're having? When I was talking about CEOs going to Uber and to Tesla and to Apple, that's what they're doing. They're, they're not looking at the new iPad. They're understanding just what you said. How, how can we bridge the technology needs, the, the challenges in the market, the capabilities that we have to have to do something better, cheaper, faster? And so I think these hubs can be an accelerator for that. Awesome. Uh, one other thing you and I have discussed before is about the future of workforce in tech. Uh, we've been evangelizing this in a big way. Um, we started with STEM, uh, you know, we're probably now the largest recruiter for schools and colleges in the U.S. Last two years, we hired 10,000. Um, we hired from schools and colleges almost 25 to 3,000 yeah. in the last 12 months and maybe yeah. 4,000 in the last 24 months. We moved out from STEM to non-STEM. We partnered with the Trinity College on liberal arts, and we have almost five cohorts which have come out of liberal arts. How do we build data scientists out of liberal arts uh, streams? We have a design uh, cohort as well with... Um, with other, other universities. Uh, we are now experimenting with this digital backbone jobs. We believe the future is going to be there. Uh, the embrace of digital is going to be so pervasive That's right. that you're going to build this digital. And I actually picked that term from you. And I'm using it without, without taking your permission. I'm just going to, I'm using it uh, in a very. It's good to know, though. <laughs> uh, using it very liberally. It. You are free to use it. Uh, I, used to, I used to call them the blue collar digital jobs, but um, you coined the word very well. What do you think about the future of uh, workforce and tech? Uh, it's, you know, you need STEM skills, Absolutely. but these are deep programming on one side. To apply them, you need a diversity of skills. Right, right. I always remind people, Steve Jobs was a history major. The trend of, the, of, of all of these businesses, what I just talked about and what we'll talk about here today, um, it's so important that there's a grounding in that capability and that knowledge of what all these trends are going to be. Not just companies will go extinct, but you know, you might not be able to find real employment you know, yeah. in the future if this isn't part of what your understanding is. Because all these enterprises in this area and around the world will be engaging this way. When I, and I think about who the German auto companies are hiring or the German insurance companies or the, or the, you know, the UK businesses or all, you know, all across the entire US where I frankly think innovation is leaps and bounds ahead of the rest of the world on so many levels in, in, in how it, it promulgates across the globe. But um, I think that as organizations can revamp what they need for the future, it will either trickle down or create a pulling system from the education system to make sure that we've got those right capabilities. So I, I'm not that close to what's happening on campuses with the, some of the community colleges and some of the others, but I do know that they get it. They, it you know, maybe they didn't get it 10 years ago. They totally get it today. And I think that there's excitement around what's become digital and cool and, and filling in these white spaces for enterprise opportunities is, is attracting lots of people, digital backbone, CEOs, and everything in between. And I think that'll, that's going to continue to be the changing workforce that we'll all be, we'll all be seeing and we'll all witness over the next 10 years. In fact, yesterday I was at a, at a meeting with the, at the World Economic Forum for the Future of Work, and we were talking about this fascinating thing about how the world around us is so disruptive, and the education system still has the first 20 years of, of studies and the next 60 years possibly with right. longer lives. Uh, people, are going to, people are going to work, and how is that going to be relevant, right. and how lifelong learning has to get, uh, get uh, 
so well baked into sure. our education system. There's one session which Juan is doing today about it. Just one, just one thing yeah. on that. It's interesting. I've always thought Connecticut invented the idea of an ecosystem. And I go back to you know, the hat industry, the machine tools, insurance, aerospace and defense, hedge funds, you name it, right? This state has had a great history of creating ecosystems. And the resulting you know, skills development had to be very local to make that happen. We didn't have that mobility that we have today. So we get it. Our challenge, of course, is we can't keep some of those industries. But we've got to figure out a way. This, this state has all those recipes to make, the, to make so the ecosystem work. You almost led into my next question. Um, I want to ask you this thing about Connecticut had that uh, bright, you know, it was that bright spot. It kind of lost its way in maybe the last one decade, I would say, or maybe five years. What does it need to do to bring back that same glory? Look, I, I, we have the ingredients. We have a phenomenal location between Hartford, uh, between Boston, Hartford, and, and New York. We've got, um, I personally believe it's one of the best places to live in the world. I think that when I go all over the world doing all that I do, I gotta tell you, this is an amazing place of education, culture, capability, industry. We, have, we are lucky to have all the ingredients um, but we have some headwinds. We have to acknowledge we have some headwinds. And a state like Connecticut competes with the world. You know, we don't compete with Massachusetts as much anymore. We compete with everything else all over planet Earth. And so um, it's important. And that's why I think... orchestrating it together? I, th I, th I think to remind... I, I, look, there's also an entrepreneurial culture in this, in this state. I mean, putting my, my CT Next hat on, I go to New Haven. I go to New London. I, I'm in Hartford. And we're meeting with these entrepreneurs. And they want to be here. And they're building interesting businesses in New Haven. The pharma is another ecosystem, the whole pharma industry that we've got. We've just got to find a way to allow it to scale and, and to not snuff it out, you know, just to continue to build it and attract it. I mean, you have Warren Buffett saying, don't invest in Connecticut, you know, Illinois, and New Jersey. Not helpful. I get it. I get it. It's math. I understand we all know what the overhangs are. But from a business point of view, we've got to acknowledge we compete with the world. And we've got to always continue to foster that spirit of what all has made the state is an amazing state. And, um, and, and so having talent is part of it. I mean, one thing I would say companies might have said a decade ago is, I'm leaving because I can't attract the talent that I need. I think that can be fixed. You know, that's got to be a concerted effort to make sure we're building the needs of uh, a hub like this, but also all the university effort that's happening around, this, around the state. So, and we just can't think, you know, just uh, on our own little border here, obviously, we're not an oasis. But uh, on a global basis, we can be extremely competitive. But we've got to fix the headwinds that we have as a state that, that unfortunately, are the headline news. So, Todd, uh, just as we conclude this conversation, uh, I just want to ask you one lighter question. And I'm going to put you on a spot, so bear with me. What's that little-known fact about you which you can tell, tell all of us, which nobody knows? <laughs> Maybe your family knows. Oh my goodness! Um, I don't. I can't. I don't have a ready answer for that one. A little known fact. That's a. That's a. That is a good. Well, okay. Here's a little known fact. <clears throat> a little known fact. I grew up in Connecticut, and we didn't have a home team for football. So I became a Patriots fan, AFC, Giants fan, NFC. Just kind of what happens, you know. I didn't. You know, back then we were really a home team. So you know, it's really evolved into a Patriots fan. My kids are all Patriots fans. Um, as a quick aside, I had to give a speech in Canada a few years ago, about 3,000 people, and the first question that the, the, the moderator asked me is, what's my favorite hockey team? And, I, and I'm in Canada, right? I mean, these people really care about that. And I said, well, the Hartford Whalers. Well, I mean, well, why, 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 what, other, what other team is there? So I got out of Dodge on that one. But, um, 
But uh, so I became a Patriots fan. I, uh, growing up in Connecticut, my older brother was a Red Sox fan, so I took the other side of that and, and grew up a Yankee fan. And then I went to graduate school at Duke, and I'm a Duke fan. So I end up supporting the three teams that universally everybody hates. <laughs> That's a smart the, way. So wherever you are, you're a fan of that. So, so now you're an Infosys fan. I'm an Infosys fan, absolutely. So thank you, Todd. Look, on Infosys, I will say this. I think the future of a lot of the provider capability is going to have to have both strategic consulting capability, innovation, obviously, capability, and, and large-scale system support. Um, there's a fog of uncertainty out there with CEO. They, they know they've got to do something. I talked to a CEO. He said, I feel like on my digital transformation roadmap, I'm on the, I'm on the runway. I got gas in the, in the jet. We're ready to go, and we haven't taken off for two years. We, we, I, you know, he said, I'm, my neck's on the line if we zip over here and it doesn't work and I've got to take a $10 million write-off. So I'm, con I'm concerned that we aren't moving fast enough and yet at the same time, I can't, I, we just don't want to make a bad bet. And so I think there's a capability that needs to happen with uh, provider support that can help with that fog of uncertainty. So. Awesome. That was awesome. Thank you so much, Todd, for this wonderful conversation and a round of applause for Todd. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.